The Carmichael Dave Show. He's on the microphone when he's not on the microphone. He's playing a song, and when he's not playing a song, he's on the microphone, and then boom! With Jason Ross. No, he didn't! Yes, he did! Call or text at 916-339-1140. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on Sacktown Sports. Point sounds and this one is over. So the Miami Heat have won for the eighth time in the last ten games. They do it in convincing fashion. Sacramento had a 55-45 lead in the first half, but that ten-point advantage was pared down to a three-point uh, deficit at halftime as Miami finished the second quarter on a 20-7 run. Then they finished the third quarter on a 10-0 run. They led by 20, as we mentioned, with 10 minutes to go, and the Kings got it down to two points at 110-108. But they couldn't get to the top of the mountain. Not quite. Last night, welcome back in. Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Carmichael Dave not in today. Jason Ross, Chris Verlaud, and a frustrating night for your Sacramento Kings. Yesterday on the show when Dave was here, we talked about, he said, man, I wish we could have some some numbers. He goes, what do you say? Uh, you know, some nerd out there will look up these numbers. I go, well, I'm your, I'm your nerd. Nerds. Uh, I looked up some of the numbers that Dave was looking for. Dork. And, and uh, I'll have those later this hour. Also in this hour, who's hot, who's not. We'll recap our three in the key for our predictions for the Kings and the Heat. And also kind of what, what is the common thread? What are the things that are constantly hurting the Sacramento Kings. One of those, I've seen a lot of you label it, and I've seen it and heard it. Hey, the Kings always lose to teams when the, they're undermanned and down some personnel. They have. They Again, it happened again last night. Um, so we'll kind of go over some of those common themes and if there's some reasons uh, behind that. But as we start this hour, uh, let's get some more reaction from, from those that played in the game, kind of what went wrong in their words. Uh, let's first hear from Keegan Murray, who I thought for – the better part of the game was one of his better games. He was so efficient. 10 of 14 was his final line. 6 of 7 beyond the arc. 28 points. He did play with foul trouble with the five fouls. Had a block, three steals, five rebounds. He had an assist. Had some tough defensive assignments, but he talked about what went wrong. Uh, it's, it's a little different kind of zone. Um, they take away the three, um, take away different passing lanes, um, and then Bam's kind of on an island um, in isolation in the middle. So um, they take a lot of things that we're good at, uh, and they've been effective with that this year. Yeah, and so Keegan addressing the zone there, but he also talked about uh, the early part of the game, the first quarter when the Kings were kind of chasing the heat and ultimately caught him. But the third quarter was absolutely brutal. Uh, I mean, it's not why we put ourselves in this position. It's just um, just try and get better. Um, I mean, we're down. We got down, what, 18? Um, so we're just trying to trying to help each other out um, in different ways. Um, and I feel like a lot of our guys helped that um, at the end of the third quarter. So uh, I feel like the first and, and third quarters is where we got beat. All right. There's some thoughts on on what he thought went uh, what went wrong for the Sacramento Kings. De'Aaron Fox was more about uh, complimenting Miami. Look, Miami is a good team. I mean, they really are. I know they were down some key pieces, but um, – there's a philosophy, that heat culture we've talked a lot about already. Um, here was uh, De'Aaron talking about really the way Miami is going to play no matter who they have 
out on the floor that's wearing those heat jerseys. Regardless of, and it's like a running joke, like regardless of who Miami puts out there, it looks like that's a team that played in the finals or have played together for a while. So, um, I mean, they have guys who do their job. They have guys who come out regardless of how long they've been with the team. They play hard. I mean, DeLon, I think, signed with the team last week, and he's out there in big minutes. So um, just their continuity. They play hard. Um, they understand what they need to do. Um, like I said, they played zone for probably 80% of this game, and their continuity in that defense, just being able to be disruptive, uh, get their hand on the ball, I think was was a lot. Um, they made it difficult for us. And then, I mean, they shot 52% in 36 Um Obviously, uh, Hami Hakas had a big game. Uh, Bam was big for him down the stretch. Uh, they made plays. Um, they made plays down the stretch. Caleb Martin, I mean, we saw what he did in the finals. He, had a, he came out and he hit us in the mouth first, and then they kind of followed suit. And I think maybe in that answer, too, is partly what I guess I was trying to explain earlier, what I think is, is that small piece, the very, very small piece, but a, a significant one that I think is missing from the Kings. I think – the route they have chosen to go here for the better part of the last year plus is of continuity. I appreciate that. I think there's some some you got to understand the strength of what that can bring. So the same coach, the same coaches, a lot of the same players. So the experience, what they've been through. What I would like to see from the squad is kind of that identity that De'Aaron Fox is talking about with Miami. So yes, I know that Terry Rozier was out, and he's a new member of the Miami Heat. Tyler Hero, who's been a productive member of that team. Jimmy Butler, who kind of just exemplifies Heat culture. Those are all very important pieces. But when you can insert Duncan Robinson in more minutes, and Jaime Hawkins in more minutes, and Caleb Martin in more minutes, and guys that have been there that already understand the way it has to be, like a non-negotiable has to be, this is who we are, this is what we do, and if you beat us, you beat us. But we're going to play our way. And that, I think, some teams have identified better than the Sacramento Kings. So if you were to try to take yourself from being someone that watches the Kings every night, but also having that knowledge, and you say, I see the Sacramento Kings, I would say, and much like we get mad every day when we're like, the Kings aren't getting any love. Why don't they talk about Sabonis? Why don't they talk about De'Aaron Fox? They're never mentioned in some of the better teams in the West. I think because of the perception of the Sacramento Kings. This is a good basketball team. I think when you look at them, probably the majority of the people, and you get stuck with labels, and sometimes labels and stereotypes are correct, or at least you you support them. I would think the majority of the non-Sacramento Kings fans that have know about the Kings, that are have some knowledge about the league, that are watching the league on a regular basis, would think, oh, yeah, the Sacramento Kings, they've got a good home crowd. They've got a good fan base. They've got a pretty fun offense and a fun style to play. Wouldn't you think that's roughly a fair generalization of the Sacramento Kings? And so Miami comes in here last night, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, heat culture. They play hard no matter who's there. Like that, that's already, I'm already feeling that. I'm not even playing. I just know it's going to happen. You're watching the game, and you can just sense it. And it, it's – Utah used to be like that. I still think they have some of that, some of it in their DNA, but really under Quinn Snyder, they had it in, in Jerry Sloan. Like, they were always going to be a team you have to beat. I think the Spurs are still that way. They just don't have enough talent. But if you can be closer to that team that, look, you've got this flashy offense. The Kings still, by the end of the night, I, I feel like the zone bothered them to some degree. 
But if you look at the box score, by the end of the night, I mean, the Kings shot 53%. That's a good night. Uh, 40% from three hit 13 of them. Foul line wasn't great, just not enough attempts, 7 of 12. Had more rebounds, 30 assists. That's a winning formula. After the seven turnover first quarter, eight the rest of the game, 15's not terrible, not great. Um, starting five and double figures. It's sometimes the littlest thing with this team. Sometimes. And there's other nights that just don't have it. They don't play well. Like last night was a night where they didn't have it. Last night wasn't a night where I looked at it as um, a complete lack of effort or a non-belief in Miami. I looked at it as there's just maybe one more gear or one more, not even a gear that's different with Miami. It's just it never changes for four quarters. It's pretty much going to be their DNA when you jump the ball at center circle to start the game. And I think it's close to that for the Kings, close. And there's stretches where there's and, – and I'm trying to not mix up the results of the way they play versus how they're playing, if that makes sense. Like Miami played with that intensity, that culture, that energy – for four quarters while getting blitzed by the Kings in that six minute stretch in the fourth quarter. They didn't forget how to play. The Kings ratcheted up, put on some intensity, uh, used that sense of urgency and got back in the game. So it's that, that piece for as much as four quarters to me that hasn't been there consistently enough for the Sacramento Kings. Let's get a little bit more. Uh, another comment here from Mike Brown. They've won seven of nine. Uh, they went to Milwaukee without their basically the same guys and beat Milwaukee by 20. Um, so for us, uh, I just didn't think um, uh, defensively in, until until the last quarter, uh, we didn't get it done. Uh, one of the things that uh, we probably could, I probably could have done to help them more was probably go to zone. We played zone in the in the fourth quarter. Um, um, and, you know, our guys were aggressive in the zone. Uh, they did a good job talking, and then they went to man at the right time. So uh, maybe I could have helped them more by doing that. Um, but I just thought that uh, um, they outworked us um, throughout most of the game and um, ended up getting a win. All right, there's some comments there from Mike Brown. So next up, the Kings will take on the Denver Nuggets. And again, that that focus, that intensity for four quarters is going to need to, need to be there uh, in Denver. All right, so what are the things that are hurting the Kings? Is there a common thread? We've had some input from you guys. I've got my opinions on that. We'll kind of zero in on that. I was kind of talking a little bit about that identity that seems to be missing from this team. We'll zero in that when we return here on Sacktown Sports. Dave Show with Jason Ross. Call or text at 916-339-1140. On Sacktown Sports. We're going to have some numbers for you coming up in our next segment about uh, some of the Kings' performances. Dave was looking for that yesterday. Dave out today 
Uh, it's Jason Ross here, Chris Verlot. Again, we're leading you up to Styles and Watkins. We'll have uh, celebrity birthdays later in the show, a little crosstalk with the guys. Also, what to watch. Kings don't play tonight, but there's plenty to check out tonight regarding that and uh, some things that could potentially help the Kings in the uh, the playoff watch, let's hope, uh, tonight. So you, you want to do what you can to keep that out of the the – you know, the answer where you're relying on others, but that might be what the Kings need here um, as they go forward and try to move up in the standings. Last night was a night that hurt them in the standings. Tonight could be a night that they could get a help. All right, so let's talk about, you know, not excuses, but reasons. What's going on here with the Kings on a on a consistent basis? Now that we've seen this many games, we're, what, 57 games in, and trying to identify, in my mind, some trouble areas for the Sacramento Kings consistently. Now, sometimes the Kings check these boxes and it doesn't show up, but I I would say more times than not, some of these things I'm going to identify have bothered this team because one of the areas I'm going to start with is when a team plays the Kings very physically. I think the Clippers are a physical team, and I thought the other night the Kings played that game as physically as I could remember. I mean, James Harden's going to body you, look to draw fouls, but they they have so many 6'6 to 6'10 guys Switching and versatility, they push, they grab, they hold, they're physical. I thought the Kings matched that, handled that, and and played that game beautifully. I think by and large, though, when you look at the bulk of the season, that is something that has bothered the Kings, is when an opposing team plays them with kind of a, a physical approach. Another thing that I would say has has bothered the Kings at times, and both times they've played Miami, a few other teams have slipped into this, is when opposing teams go into a zone. And so Sacramento, I know they practice it. It's much like when people complain about, ah, man, the Kings are free throw shooting. They practice it. You highlight it. I mean, zone, it's really about scheme. It's about um, moving bodies, moving people. Um, They're guarding principles, and sometimes you you run guys through the key and you, you push as a defender in the zone. Okay, my guy's running through my kind of area. I got him, I got him, now he's yours. It's a lot about communication and creating angles and, and tough spots to to really execute your offense where the Kings in a lot of league likes to spread the floor, create matchups that are beneficial, and use that ball movement and read and react offense and and carve you up. Well, last night, Keegan kind of addressed the issue of the zone that Miami played, and it certainly seemed to bother the Kings at times. Uh, it's, it's a little different kind of zone. Um, they take away the three. Um, take away different passing lanes, um, and then Bam's kind of on an island um, in isolation in the middle. So um, they take a lot of things that we're good at, uh, and they've been effective with that this year. So, again, good coaching. Take a lot of things that we're good at, and they try to take it away. That's what Miami did, and the Kings have to be ready for that. Are the Kings – how well do they handle the counters of these teams? Much like a a point of emphasis last year in the postseason, Golden State did everything they could – to limit the effectiveness of DeMontis Sabonis. He still got numbers. He still was good in the series. He wasn't great. He wasn't like we saw in the regular season, like an all-MVP or an an MVP type, an all-NBA guy, uh, because that was the scheme. That was the game plan. Well, the Kings, what are their counters to these things? De'Aaron Fox talked about uh, what Miami was doing with their aggressive zone as well. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, their activity, getting in passing lanes and uh, being physical, um, kind of turned us over. I mean, nah, I don't think we've seen as much zone from any team in the league uh, as we have out of this team. And, um, 
I mean, I think they, they did a great job in it and just being able to disrupt our offense. So Miami, their ability to show something different that the Kings just don't see all the time, but at times handled, at other times did not. So again, it's that that nuance that Sacramento needs to continue to work on. Other areas, seemingly to me, observing this year's team, besides the one that I know I'm getting from a lot of you when I'm asking for your input is, you know, the Kings losing to teams that are undermanned. We're going to have some numbers on that coming up. Um, but also the fact that last night, to me specifically, the unique nature of last night's game, Miami and other teams have done this, but what Miami was doing was they were seeking out switches and seeking out mismatches. And so when the Kings went to zone later, that's less of a you're, – you're not really trying to get to switches. You're trying to get to spaces in a zone, right? Like – you're not getting in a spot. You could put your guys where you want in a zone, and roughly they stay in that general area. In a man-to-man, you can get switches, and then what we were seeing last night in that third quarter a ton of is switches where Kevin Herter was guarding Kevin Love or uh, Davion got switched on to Jaime Hawkes or De'Aaron Fox did or smaller players. Bam Adebayo was, not, you know, was maybe switched on to someone else that he could handle. And so... Miami did it by recognizing it in a way where they used it with their physical play and post-ups. Well, a lot of other teams do it with quickness and one-on-one players. So teams are doing that consistently on the Kings, trying to get switches into the mismatches. And here's where the coaching decision comes in. So I'll put you in the chair of Mike Brown where you're going, okay, Kevin Herter's having a decent offensive night and you're down 20 one of your best scores and three-point shooters also hit a couple threes to get you back into the game, but at times maybe can be exploited on the other. That's a tough one. Do you go to Malik Monk? Do you go to Trey Lyles? Like they're, they're, you know, do you keep Harrison Barnes in the game? Like there, there's some push and pull that when you lose, you look back and go, man, did I do this right? Could I have done something differently? Mike Brown already alluded to maybe going to the zone a bit earlier. The other area, I would say, with consistency that hurts the team is when an opposing team has someone that DeMontis Sabonis can't you know, physically move around. And Bam Adebayo is athletic, quick, and a pretty physical. I mean, he's a really good defender. He's been one of the game's great interior defenders for several years. And so DeMontis Sabonis, by the end of the night, I mean, his magic still gets his 21st triple-double, 14, 14, and 10. But I didn't feel the same kind of impact. Four turnovers was in uh, foul issues early, but never picked up that third foul. Here's uh, Coach Brown talking about when uh, Domas gets disrupted, and uh, Miami certainly did that. You know, Bam's a really good player, and we we told Domas, uh, we told our whole team that, hey, it's going to be tough because – the sprays are going to be there, uh, you, you know. Um, as soon as, uh, you know, you catch the ball in the pocket or if you catch the ball in the post, the heater, they're coming. And, and they're coming. They're swiping down at the ball. They're really aggressive with their double teams and their digs. And you got to think spray the ball, and both Foxy and, and Domas. And, and, you know, I thought that they both – uh, struggled a little bit with that. You know, I think Domus had four turnovers and Foxy had seven turnovers. And a lot of it was when they were in the paint. And 
they got collapsed on and we didn't get the ball out in a timely manner. And so uh, it was going to be tough for Domus to score down there because of how quickly they come and how active they are when they come. Uh, it's just one of those one of those types of games where uh, you just got to continue. Both those guys got to continue trusting their teammates, spray the ball, and uh, try not to turn it over. So, you know, being able to be put in that position um, is a tough one for Sabonis, but that's what he's going to get. He is going to get, whether it's his own defense, a physical imposing team, double teams. He's seen a lot of it, and last night there were a couple times he would get it with basically invited to shoot, and he shot a couple times, made a three, made another decent mid-range, but I feel like, you know, there's a lot of times where he's just really surveying, and, and he's such a unselfish player, and the more you get a lot of guys' touches and the ball has energy, that those are all productive and healthy things for the team. But sometimes he just needs to go get it and be a little bit more aggressive. So, again, these are small things, I think, correctable things, fixable things. Looking at our text line, let's go over some of these that we're getting input on at 916-339-1140. Let's see. The Kings shouldn't even be on playoff watch coming from the text line of the 916. Another one, free throws, free throws, free throws, just horrible. Uh, Last night, 7 of 12, that's not going to get it done. I wish there were more attempts. As well, uh, we've, we've seen this one a lot. You know, Jason, all the problems with the Kings is, unfortunately, the coaching. I don't want them gone. I just want them to wake up sometimes. Okay. Uh, we've gotten a lot of, a lot of points uh, to coaching today. A lot, of, a lot of stuff being thrown to Mike Brown. Mike Brown's a big boy. He knows this stuff happens. It gets, you know, people are going to be critical of, of everybody, of players, coaches. Um, another one, it wasn't just the switches and mismatches. Miami was seeking Kevin Herter. Um, he's not as he's not a good defender, and they were going after him every single opportunity. They were attacking him. I mean, they, seriously, when they, there was about three stretches in a row in the third quarter when it was either Love or Hawkes that they were just like, yeah, this is a mismatch, and that's smart. I mean, that's what you do. And so, can the Kings? Could they have doubled quicker? Mike Brown talked about could they have gone to the zone quicker? Yes, the answer is yes to both of those. And so, um. The Kings have to be sharper in all aspects of this. Coaching, players. Again, last night to me wasn't um, a hideous performance, but one that felt like what a difference it would have been if they won that game, even if they had that deficit like they did and they came back and won. Like It was feeling like they were going to complete one of those great comebacks and have a full feel-good today, gain a half game on everybody, winners of four in a row, and really go into uh, Denver with some momentum. Now the mood changes that quickly with a disappointing loss. You feel a, a sense of urgency to find a way to get a win in Denver and Minnesota before coming to what would be probably a more favorable schedule from here on out for a while. A lot of those games are at home. We all get excited for home games, but sometimes I think this team also plays better on the road when that's all they're doing, that's all they're focused on, they're all together together and they're just thinking about playing basketball, and their last two road games have been two of their best games of the year, beating Denver on the road and beating the Clippers on the road. So if they could keep that part going in Denver and Minnesota, I think it will also lead to the confusion of the 23-24 Kings that have shown us some really good basketball, equally uh, some frustrating and disappointing basketball as well. All right, we were talking numbers, some of the numbers that we were looking for. What are those numbers? What does it look like when the Kings have certain individuals that score 20 or more and when the opposing team doesn't have some of their best players? We'll discuss those numbers still to come, who's hot, who's not, recap the three and the key, and so much more. That's all coming up here on your Home of the Kings, Sacktown Sports.
and purple. It's the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross on your local sports leader, Sacktown Sports. Back here on Sacktown Sports, Jason Ross, Christopher Laud, no Carmichael Dave today. As uh, the Kings, another disappointing night for the Sacramento Kings and trying to get you guys to best characterize this season. I mean, I know we asked earlier in Three for Madness, is this the most frustrating year? And if not, what would it be? Um, I think it's tough to compare year to year, but it's frustrating. But I will say this on the level of frustration. I'll I'll take this as if this, if we're deeming this as frustrating, where the still possibility is either a play in or a playoff team and a team that can be in a series. I mean, look, after 16 years of not making it, 17, whatever it was, and then finally getting in, that was so enjoyable to be there. That was nice. Now you're trying to grow and get better. I mean, I still think this team is in a better spot, certainly, than they've been in a long, long time. But that doesn't mean we can't want more. We should want more. I hope they want more. And uh, they're going to try to do that here over the next uh, um, couple of weeks, really, to dictate the terms because last night's loss um, did hurt them in the standings, dropping from fifth to seventh. So one of the things yesterday that Carmichael Dave was asking about is, like, I just wonder what the record is when when some of these guys score 20 points or more, if there's any kind of key or or impact or – I, I was I was doing a bunch of numbers on this, Chris, and I don't know that I can find any rhyme or reason. Um, I'm going to give you the number of games that said player has scored 20 points or more, and i got to make sure I'm not missing anybody because I think I got everybody on this list. But what would be your rough guess as to who do you think scored 20 or more in a game this year for the Kings if you went down the list? Uh, Fox. Of course. Sabonis. Yep. That's two. Murray. Three. Barnes. Four. Monk. Five. Uh, Herder. Six. Lyles. Yeah. The list is done. Oh. Yeah. No one else has scored 20 or more, to my knowledge, basically looking at. Um, I would say there's not one on that list that hasn't done it multiple times, right? Uh, from the ones you guessed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all multiples. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's good. Um, all right. So. Each person, like, is there is there a, a a lean here? Like, oh man, if this guy goes for twenty, they're going to win all the time. Well, it's it's a little bit predictable here, but the the numbers are interesting for based on what their record is. So I'm going to go in order. Um, yeah, it's basically alphabetical order here. So let's start with Barnes. I'm going to tell you that he has scored twenty or more nine times. What do you think the Kings' record is? Seven and two. We have a correct answer. <laughs> The Kings are seven and two when Harrison Barnes scores twenty or more. All right, this one will be a little bit more challenging. De'Aaron Fox, what do you think? How many times do you think he scored twenty or more? He has scored twenty or more uh, thirty times. Thirty-eight. Oh, so what do you think the record is when he scores twenty or more? Oh man, you're making me do math. I know. <laughs> I'm going to say thirty-eight. Oh, he's getting the pen and paper out. 24 and 14. 24 and 14. Wow. 25 and 13. <laughs> so you got Barnes when they score 20 or more, they're 7 and 2. 
De'Aaron Fox, uh, 38 times or 25 and 13. All right, how many times for Red Velvet? How many times do you think he scored 20 or more? He has done that five times. Uh, Kevin Herter has done it seven times. So you're, you're pretty close in all these numbers. Uh, what's their record when Kevin Herter scores 20 or more? Six and one. Five and two. <laughs> five and two. You are right on. All right, how about Money Malik Monk? What is their record when he – and how many times first has he scored 20 He's done or it more? eight times. Eight times? Yes. Malik has done it 19 times. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So what's their record with Malik Monk going uh, for 20 or more? I am going to say 19 times. Uh-huh. They are 10 and 9. They are 14 and 5. Okay. So that's that one that jumps out a little bit. Uh, Barnes at 7 and 2. That's a really good percentage. How about Keegan Murray? He's done it 10 times. Keegan Murray, including last night, now has done it 13 times. What's their record? They are nine and four. We have a correct answer. Nine and four when Keegan Murray goes for 20 or more. So you're Barnes at seven and two, Fox at 25 and 13, Herder at five and two, Monk at 14 and five, and Keegan Murray at nine and four. The last one, the big fella, DeMontis Sabonis. How many times has Mr. Triple Double done that? He has done it 28 times. 28 times he has done it 25 times okay what do you got for a record there i think that they are uh they are 17 and eight they are 19 and six man so you know i'm pretty good you are pretty good i am like chilean actor pedro pascal killing it this year (laughs) Self-proclaimed, uh, right? Um, I I don't know what that end-all, be-all, what that ultimately means, what the what the end result of that is. Obviously, you want multiple guys. And, and I think it, the big one is Barnes. Yeah, because, I mean, that's a smaller sample size. That's nine. But if you win, if you go seven and two in nine games, to me, obviously, it seems like the, the most productive are Fox and Sabonis. I don't know that... I don't want to say Fox's numbers are irrelevant because that's that's not the case. I mean, obviously, that's a pretty good 25 and 13 when he does that. Um, but it feels like you're going to get that majority of the nights. And it's critical to have at least one of those guys. I probably should do a deeper dive if you have any games with two of those non-Fox Sabonis guys getting 20, what their record is. But um, to me, all this is fine. I think they've got more. Like, Barnes has done this more recently. Herder has done this more recently. Um, I think Keegan had more higher scoring games last year, but he's become more important defensively to what this team is doing. So, you know, I'll continue to dive into these numbers and try to figure out what more they mean, what more they can get out of this, because... I don't think there's one common thread, but what I do like is there's nothing that shows, oh, when that guy scores 20, it doesn't help. I mean, basically, they have a winning record. They have a good record with all of them. 7-2 um, and two for Barnes, 25-13 and 13 for Fox, 5-2 and two for Herder, 14-5 and five for Monk, 9-4 and four for Keegan, and 19-6 and six for Sabonis. And last night, as far as guys that got 20 or more, um, you had Fox get there, you had Keegan get there. Um, Could have used a little bit more uh, from the rest of the group. All right, so that's just part of the numbers. Uh, the other one I want to get to, we'll do this when we come back. I want you guys to hang on to this one because I was looking at this up because it's been a narrative and it's been an easy one, but we'll see if the numbers are supported. Last night, another night when the Kings faced an opponent 
without their full crew. What are the numbers? So we're going to take, and I'll explain what I did on the numbers, what it looks like. Is it good or bad for the Kings? We've got that. Who's hot? Who's not? Recap three in the key and more straight ahead here on Sacktown Sports. What's hot? Yeah, hot. Real hot. And what's not? It's not good. Brought to you by American Energy Heating and Air, Sacramento's complete heating and cooling company and second opinion partner. All right, it's time to ask that question. Those two questions, who's hot and who's not. But let's start with who's hot. Chris, what do you got? Nikola Jokic. Yeah? His last three games, Jokic has scored 82 points, grabbed 50 rebounds, and has 45 assists. He's the second player in NBA history to have those numbers in a three-game span since Wilt Chamberlain in March of 1968. Let's see if that streak continues when they play, let's see, the Sacramento Kings. Oh, hey, I know them. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Both teams will be on, uh, well, the the Nuggets will have one more day of rest than the Kings. That's okay. All right. Feels more fair in that situation. I would say he's hot, that's for sure. Um, who's not the Washington wizards. Okay. They currently have the longest losing streak in the NBA with 11 losses in a row. If they lose today when they host the warriors and lose Thursday, when they're at the Lakers on the road, they will have gone the entire month of February without a win. Yeah. And suddenly, I mean, not that Detroit's hot Detroit's lost six in a row, but there's a real good chance that the wizards could have the worst record. Remember Detroit, how bad they were set the record for most losses in a row. Detroit's eight and forty nine. Washington's nine and forty eight. Man, nine and forty eight. Okay, uh, we'll recap our three in the key in a moment. Um, so we gave you those numbers on. That's what Dave was looking for yesterday, and I did the homework. So want to have the payoff. We had others ask, and I wanted to look this up myself. Oh, the Kings always lose games when they don't have. You know, when teams are under man. Um, to me. <laughs> It's happened more than I thought. So, the Kings now have played 57 games. So, Chris, the way I determined this, I, di- I didn't count bench players. I basically went to what would be deemed as team's regular starting lineup. So, if a starter or more were out, um, I called that like an undermanned game, right? So, out of the 57 games, how many times do you think it's even happened this year when the Kings have played an opposing team that we would deem didn't start their regular lineup? Okay, so these are starters? Mm-hmm. I, so, like, last night was a game, uh, like, Miami, that was not their normal game. I'll say 25. 25. You're pretty good again. 29 times it's happened this year. So, there we go. Let's have fun with numbers. So, 29 times. Are the Kings 0-29? Like, it always happens? No. What do you think is... Uh, is their record one in twenty eight? No, <laughs> <laughs> with the Clipper game the other night being the one advantage. Twenty nine ga- twenty nine games, they are above five hundred. I'm gonna say, and I didn't give Chris any of these numbers. He's been really good today. I'm gonna say seventeen and twelve. Twelve. Okay, you're way off. No, eighteen and eleven. <laughs> you're right there. So, but there's some bad ones. I mean, there are some bad ones looking back at this. You look at uh, the first time, like we looked at the Charlotte loss as bad. It was bad, but it was also bad. Who was out? A Portland loss in there. Um, And there's 11 times when teams, even the very first uh, home game of the year, the Warriors didn't have Draymond Green. So I counted that. Stuff like that. I counted regular people that you would count. 
Uh, but there's three wins against Denver without two of them without Jamal Murray. Uh, you had another one without KCP and Michael Porter Jr. You have the Clipper win the other day. You have the win at home against the Hawks without Trey Young. So they've they've won games without the opposing team, but 11 losses is is pretty substantial. So it's happened a lot where they've had what you would deem as an advantage, and um, they've lost 11 times that way this year. And when you're counting precious games in the NBA, in the standings, when we're looking at the watch every day and going, okay, you're in the top 10, you've moved up to 5th, you've dropped to 8th, you're back up to 6th, you're in 7th, it's the woulda, shoulda, coulda is going to be very prominent for the Kings, but for every team this year. So uh, those are the numbers there. When other teams, I would say, would be quote-unquote undermanned, whether it's one starter, two starters, multiple players, different starting lineup, uh, the Kings have had that 29 times this year, including last night, but last night fell in that loss department where they're now 18-11 and 11 in those games. All right, uh, let's go ahead and do it. Let's recap our predictions, what we thought before would happen. Uh, let's see how we did in our three in the key. All right. We were at full staff yesterday. We had Dave back with us, myself and Chris. We made three predictions on the game last night. We knew Miami would play some zone. Opportunity to hurt the zone is to space, get some paint touches, kick out for threes. So we asked the question, how many three-pointers would the Sacramento Kings make? Dave said 13. I said 14. Chris, you said 16. So we're all pretty close in our guesses. We did have a correct answer. Carmichael, Dave got it. 13 made threes. Dave gave us the second category. He said, let's uh, figure out what Bam Adebayo's stat line would be. Now, Bam was going to have to carry a lot of the offensive load. Dave thought he'd go for 26, 10, and 3. I said 22, 9, and 7. Chris, you said 17, 12, and 3. He ended with 28 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. Um, I was pretty close. Dave was closer, though. As he was two off the points, he got the rebounds right and four off the assists. Lastly, we asked the ever-popular random stat. Something different, something weird, something random that we thought would happen in the game. Uh, And remember, Frankie Clicks, Frankie Cardicelli participated in this. And Frankie said that Mike Brown would call a timeout within the first two minutes of the game. That did not happen. What an idiot. (laughs) Frankie's 0 for 1 lifetime on uh, 3 in the key. Carmichael Dave said Eric Spolstra would get a technical foul. That didn't happen. Though, you said he was pretty hot down there. It was close to one, maybe. I said, oh boy, did I really... I'm not going to read mine. Do it. I'm going to save the embarrassment. I'm going to look at the stat line before I do. Oh, woof. I said Chris Duarte would get in double figures. He was 0 for 2. Had a rebound, had an assist, had a steal, and a block. He was plus 2 and his plus minus. Should have played more. How many uh, minutes did he have? 16. Okay. Double digits. Double digits. I meant points. He had zero. Chris, noted Miami Heat fan and Jaime Hawkes fan, said that Jaime Hawkes Jr. Triple J. would score 
And you really doubted your guy with your I know. stat. You said 14 points or more. I think he did that in the fourth. He ended with 28 points. He was Well, terrific. see, if I would have known that Hero and... Uh, and Rosie are out. And Rosie are out, I probably would have bumped it up to 20. Yeah, he was awesome. I mean, he was absolutely awesome. Impressive to watch, unfortunately, at the expense of the Sacramento Kings. Not why I'm wearing UCLA today, by the way. I just happened mm. to wear it. But some people, the spy mm. is back. Mm, gross. The spy now who's the uh, noted Heat fan? Yeah, let me talk about Kevin Love and Jaime Hawkins Jr. and how great they were last night. Uh, but they were. Is it still wild that Kevin Love is still contributing in the NBA for this long? Yeah. I mean, it's a good spot to be in a bench player now for him. And he's, what, near about 16, I think, 15? Yeah. And, I mean, he's the guy that DeMontis Sabonis is trying to catch for the record of double-double streaks in a row. It's like, I mean, people forget how dominant he was in Minnesota. And he was really important in the Cavs playoff teams and certainly the championship. And then here he is as a, as a nice piece to the Miami Heat bench and was instrumental in that victory yesterday to get them to 32-25. and 25. Kings dropped to 33-24. and 24. Win streak came to an end, but there was a win streak in the NBA last night that was hit for the first time. Chris, did you hear the story out of Toronto? Uh, Darko... Uh, Rajoyevich, I think is how you say it, Rajoyevich, um, their coach, mm-hmm. had promised the team if they won three games in a row, they had never won three games in a row, he was going to get dinner. He was going to buy the team dinner, so it was going to be on the coach's dime. They won last night. They actually had a surprise win over Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers. Pascal Siakam playing his former Dork. team. <laughs> was that for me or for someone else? Somebody else. Okay. <laughs> Crack the code in there if you'd like. Um so the Raptors won. They won three in a row, and apparently afterwards, like you could hear all the Raptors going pizza, pizza. I'm like pizza, exactly. <laughs> I'm like team, you guys got Raptors. Like I don't think the coach promised pizza, and he basically afterwards there's quotes from him saying, "Look, we got a humble team. That's all they're asking for is pizza. Get him, get him off his wallet. Take him to expensive dinner. Get one of those absurd oh, bills. Man, I'm out of cash. Absurd bills. A bunch yeah, isn't of isn't it right next to what's that? Famous steak place, St. Elmo's. Next to where? In uh, Indianapolis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, go there. <laughs> right after the win, it's three in a row. Put it on walk the coach's in, dime. still wearing your clothes. <laughs> yes, no shower. Do a little post-game media. Walk in. You could chant pizza if you walk in, and everyone's like, why are they getting pizza? No, get steak. Get, you know, surf and turf, whatever you want. Get some drinks. Make that tab. Coach makes good money. But how funny is that? Like, pizza, like, if... I mean, again, I like pizza. There's nothing wrong with pizza. But to me, that's not that's not paying off a bet. And for the guys to be chanting pizza. So in, um, it was in high school. We had a tournament down in L.A. And we were invited by this team. And it's one of those. They were all like Southern California teams. And like the team hosting it, they were like the favorites and just thought that they were just going to invite these teams in and just run through all of them. And our team was dog walk and, good in a boat race our team was good the other teams were like eh, yeah like we had easy work with them so we go and we like the the crowd is just absolutely packed with people and like none of our families are there because it's la there's like i think yeah. 10 people that came yeah. down and we won and so we're all celebrating after the game and like the team is just like hey what are we gonna do yeah let's, what are we gonna do and someone's just like Let's go out to eat somewhere. Someone else is like, let's go back to the hotel. We'll figure it out. <laughs> One of our friends just goes, let's go to the movies. What? <laughs> just, just, 
and just complete screech and all of us just look look at him like and he's like being serious yeah. and then it's just like all out laughter could not keep it down <laughs> he didn't have a movie he dialed in he just thought hey let's have a team <laughs> hey, let's bonding. just go to the theater and figure it out yeah we'll go there we'll have a good time we'll not talk to each other and watch a movie no that was you guys needed a celebration did you figure it out what'd you guys do i think we went out to pizza <laughs> <laughs> and a movie oh my goodness good times Good times. All right, we got another hour ahead here on the show. In our final hour, more on this Kings loss to Miami, more reaction as well. More of an impact on the standings, too. We'll do that. We're going to do this constantly, too. If the postseason started today, what would the path look like for the Kings? We've got that and more coming up on Sackdown Sports.